1: looking at this whole area of crossing the line, of crossing the line of temptation in our lives, which ends up causing us to be defeated, which causes us to succumb to sins that we so easily ensnare ourselves with. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks about understanding temptation. So the first week we looked at the whole issue of you owning it. The source of temptation is your own desires. Last week we looked at the tempter, how he, the Satan, uses our own desires and manipulates us into sin. Today we're going to talk about, a little bit more in detail, about the issue of temptation. And what we're going to see there is, is that when we talk about temptation, we're going to look at two words, empty promises. We're going to look at how temptation really presents us with what we think is a fulfillment of something or even satisfaction But the reality is is that what it's presenting to us is his empty promises. So I want you to think for a moment as we talk about this. I want you to understand because you know we so easily trivialize the whole issue of temptation in our lives. Do you know what I mean? We just trivialize it like it's nothing. We don't need to be at all concerned about it. But I want you to think for a moment. I want you to look at your life right now. Think about the stuff that you deal with. Think about... Don't, don't take all of the sins that you're struggling with, but think about one issue that is wrecking havoc in your life. Because everybody here is struggling. Think about one sin that is wrecking havoc in your life that you commit. And okay, and I want you to think about it. Now, I want you to think about the last time you've succumbed to it or the last few times that you've succumbed to it. And I want you to trace back the progression of how you ended up doing that. So think about it. And so then I want you to, as you think back, you're going to come to a place where you recognize that it started off, the last time you did it, with something tempting you. Something stirring a thought, stirring an emotion, stirring a desire to go about and do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when I'm talking about temptation here today, when we've been talking about temptation with this series, I'm not talking about you being tempted to buy an extra ice cream. Do you know what I mean? Or if you're in a restaurant and they got an Oreo-type dessert, I'm not talking about you succumbing to that, unless that's the issue. I'm talking about you succumbing to temptation to do the things that just wipe you out that are destroying you, destroying your marriage, your family. That's the kind of temptation I'm talking about. It starts with temptation. That's why this is a serious topic. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 is the Lord's words to Israel, but we're going to take the Lord's words to Israel, and we're going to apply them to ourselves, because we are God's people too, are we not? And there's some things there that we need to see. But before we get there, I'm going to present you with three things to think about concerning the lure of temptation. Why is it that temptation just draws us in? Have you noticed that? When you think about what it is that you struggle with, why is it as soon as something pops up, you're like drawn to it? Did you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like the whole bug zapper concept. You remember the bug zappers? You know, there used to be a popular thing until they realized that it wasn't killing the mosquitoes, it was killing everything else but the mosquitoes, okay? And you remember the, the bugs, when they see that light, it's like in the movie Bugs, you know, ooh, you know, you're just drawn to it until it what? Zaps you. That's what temptation is. So let's talk about the lure of temptation. So a couple of things I want you to think about. First of all, we are attracted to the unknown. We're attracted to the unknown. That's why, can I be honest with you? For instance, if you're having struggles in your marriage relationship, there is a tendency sometimes to be attracted to someone else other than your spouse. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody you see at Walmart. Maybe it's somebody at at an event at school with your kids. Maybe it's somebody, I I don't know where it is, but maybe there's a a tendency to do that. And part of why you're attracted is because you don't know too much about them. It's like they're a person filled with blanks. Now, when you look at home, all the blanks are pretty much filled out. You know what I'm saying? When you first met the person, they were interesting. Remember, we use words, oh, they just interest me. Why? Because they got a, they're got they a person filled with blanks. Well, as you're married for a while, blanks get filled in. And what happens is, is what attracts you, what is it about the temptation is, is that you've got a bunch of blanks in that temptation, and you fill them in with your thoughts of what it might be. Do you know what I'm saying? It's your fantasies about it. It's your concept of what this might produce. Do you know what I'm saying? You fill in the blanks because we're attracted to the unknown. Do you know what I mean? And usually what happens, have you noticed this? You talk to somebody and they're like, wow, she's awesome. Boy, she looks really good. And then after they work with them a while and then you say, hey, what about that girl you were interested in? Oh, man, have you heard her talk? A blank got filled in. The unknown disappeared. And the attraction, what? Left. See, that's the lure of temptation. is that we don't understand, we don't know, we're intrigued by the concept of the unknown. Here's the other one. We only see surface gratification. This is the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence concept. Do you know what I mean? So... I mean, again, if you're struggling in your marriage relationship and then you look over there and you see that, wow, it could be so much better over here or so much better over there or or so much better in this situation or that situation. If I just had that job and if I had this... You know, and, and what we see is, is we only see the surface... We only see the, the surface gratification, the, 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 the intrigue of that it looks so much better over there. Now, you've heard about the situation with the grass being greener on the other side of the fence, right? That's because beneath the surface is a septic tank. Do you know what I mean? Here, here's one. I just read this this week. I thought this was good. I'll share it with you. If you're intrigued by the grass on the other side of the fence because it's greener, Water your own. And I thought, yeah. What do you mean water your own? Work on your own grass. Fertilize it. Do what it takes till it's green again. Do you know what I mean? So this is the lure of temptation. We're, we're attracted to the unknown. We, 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 we only see surface gratification. But here's the problem with temptation. We overlook the true impact of our decisions. See, we don't think beyond what it is that's standing in front of us, the temptation that's there in front of us. We don't think beyond, what will happen if I truly do do this? What will happen if I truly do go beyond this? Did you understand what I'm saying? We don't think beyond that. We don't think beyond to the destruction of our decisions. First of all, Satan doesn't want you to think beyond the destruction of your decisions. He wants you to think about just the pure gratification of it, not what it will cost you later. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll say that again. You may want to write that down. Satan doesn't want you to think beyond the gratification to what it will cost you later. That's reality. Because this is the concept. Temptation is going to always be there to look for something else. And it'll look great on the outside. It'll be the unknown factor will attract you. But listen, my friends, if you go to it, you make that decision, you end up being devastated later on devastated later on so you say okay wow that's the lure of temptation that's how serious temptation is what do we do about it well that's why we come to isaiah 55 because when we go to temptation here's why we go to temptation we're trying to find satisfaction we're trying to find our peace we're trying to find some sort of happiness Because that's what temptation is offering us. Do you know what I'm saying? Temptation is offering you some sort of happiness. But God comes along and he tells us in Isaiah 55, we're going to look at the first nine verses here, that true happiness is only found in him. So notice with me. Notice what the prophet writes concerning the words of the Lord. Verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me. Here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord's for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts here's what we're going to do folks we're going to take these nine verses I'm going to basically divide them into two sections for you we're going to look at first of all true satisfaction what is true satisfaction And then we're going to see in the last part of these verses, the way of forgiveness. So let's start. Let's start right now with true satisfaction. first thing I want you to see is, the Lord calls us to find satisfaction in Him. Look at verse 1. The Lord calls us to find satisfaction in Him. Look at what He says. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. What's he talking about here? Here's what the reality is. The reason why you and I are so attracted to the unknown, the reason why we so seek surface gratification that we succumb to temptation is because in all of us, there's a longing for something. There's a hole within us. In fact, some writers say it's a God-sized hole that only God can fill. But we try to fill it with everything else. Have you noticed that? We try to fill it with work. We try to fill it with stuff. We try to fill it with sex, with food, with leisure. We try to fill it with all of this stuff in our lives. We try to fill it with our marriages. You know, that's possible. You're wanting something from your marriage that your spouse can't give you because there's no way anybody could give you that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you need to hear that. You're wanting something from your kids that your kids can't give you because your kids aren't wired to give you that. Only God can give you that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But we're, 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 can I be honest, we're dumb. I'm dumb. You're dumb. I don't like you telling me that, George. You're dumb. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm dumb. And so we prance around, looking around for something that will ultimately, what? Bring satisfaction to us. God says, find your satisfaction in me. I'll bring satisfaction to you. It won't cost you anything. Isn't that awesome? Salvation doesn't cost anything to you, does it? You just got to embrace it. The relationship with Jesus doesn't cost you anything. You just got to embrace it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, think about it for a moment. I'll I'll talk about me for a moment. Maybe you can relate to me. You know what? I do not like stress because I can't handle it. I think I can handle it. But the reality is, is I can't handle it. And when I go through stress, I'll just be honest. George, well, the first thing George does is he's trying to find some relief from the stress, trying to find some relief from the stuff that's happening. So I try to seek peace and satisfaction in other stuff. Like vegging in front of the TV. Do you know what I mean? Or vegging in front of my iPad or my, my computer. Reading the same old news 50 times over, like something's changing. Nothing's changing. Like the cheeseburger at McDonald's. It's not the greatest cheeseburger in the world. But I think it's going to bring satisfaction. Never does. When what I should be doing during the stressful times is going to the one who what? Brings true satisfaction. Now, you're laughing at me. Can you relate to me? Isn't that what we do? Now, it might be cheeseburgers to me, but for you, it's something else. And for some of you, it's something really devastating. See, What I want you to understand is, is that God, God calls us to find satisfaction in him. Why does he do that? Because here's the next point. The things we seek will not satisfy us. You know, I try to communicate this to young people. A lot of times, you know, especially college-age people, they just want to get married. Oh, I can't wait to get married. Oh, if we could just get married. Have you talked to somebody who's married? You're all laughing. married people know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, have you talked to? Some, I mean, have, you know what I'm talking about. Have you met young people like that? They're like, oh, I just can't wait to get married. Like marriage is going to solve your problem. No, my friend, marriage opens up a whole nother level of problems. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you think satisfaction comes from being married, fights happen on the honeymoon, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't like to talk about it, but they do. The reality is this. There, nothing satisfies. It only creates bigger holes. I mean, we understand the concept, remember? I mean, there's a reason why the commercials during Christmas season are always about toys. Toys. Because the manufacturers want your kid to say, Mom, I've I've never seen it before, but I can't live without it. And then they get it. Christmas morning and halfway through Christmas morning, they're not touching it anymore. Six months later, it's in a yard sale. Were they satisfied? No, because the next day they want what? What? The next thing, do you understand what I'm saying? The things we seek will not satisfy us. Now look at how the Lord puts it here in this passage. Look at verse verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Look at what he says there. And your wages for what does not satisfy. Look, why are you sacrificing stuff in your life for something that's not going to bring you any satisfaction? If you're a workaholic here, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been with a lot of folks on their deathbed. And the reality is, I've never heard anybody ever say, I wish I had one more hour at the office. They always talk about wanting more time with family. Why do we give and throw ourselves out there to something that's never going to satisfy us, but only destroys us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why do we do that? That's what the Lord is saying. So here's what he does. Look at verse 2 and 3. Incline your ear, come to me, hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. What's he saying here? The Lord calls us to an everlasting abundance. He's calling us to an everlasting abundance. What does that mean, George? Well, think about that, abundance. Wow, that's a nice word. You know, I think Jesus used that word. He used it in these terms. He said, come unto me, come to me, and you will have life abundantly. He gives us abundant life. Jesus gives us. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly, was what Jesus said. That's His Word. The abundance that we want, the true satisfaction that we want, the whole, the, the whole that was created in our lives, maybe through our experiences, maybe through the trauma that we faced over our lifetimes, that whole can only be satisfied, listen to me, by Jesus. Now think about it for a moment. I I, I want you to understand why he's the only one who can fulfill it. So for instance, if you're you're focused on your marriage and you want your spouse to understand what it is that they're going through and they're just not getting it, they're thick in the head, hello, they're not getting it and you're frustrated with them, can I tell you, they're never going to get it. Why? Because they can't read your mind. And they don't understand your emotions. Jeremy, you they can't read your mind, and they can't understand your emotions. But there is one who can, who knows everything about you, who was there when that thing happened to you, who understands the depths of your feelings, and who understands your mind because nobody else can read it. Who's that? Jesus. And he is the healing bomb. He is the healing ointment for your soul. And abundance is not found in succumbing to that temptation. I mean, think about it. How many times have you given into it and you still aren't satisfied? Do you know what I'm saying? There's something wrong. It's called insanity, isn't it? We're insane because we keep going back to the same thing, hoping it will, maybe this next time, it's kind of like what they say with a drug addict about chasing the dragon, right? Looking for that same experience again. It's never there, but with Jesus. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Somebody might be saying, well, you know, hey, man, you know, that's really great, George, but that's not been true for me. I've known Jesus for a long time. And, I, and I'm and i still not satisfied, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, but you have to understand, we're not just talking about coming to Jesus in salvation. We're talking about Jesus being a part of your life every day. Not just Sunday for the one hour or two hours that you show up. Not just your decision to follow him. We're talking about Jesus being a part of your life every day. And how much are you seeking after him? you know what I'm saying? Because the gospel writers will say this. The kingdom of God is like a man who finds a pearl, of great treasure in a field. And then he goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the field so he can have that pearl. Do you know what I'm saying? He does everything possible to be able to get it because he knows that's where the satisfaction is. So my question to you is if it isn't working for you in this relationship with Jesus thing, then how much are you pursuing it? How important is it to you? Because you've got to pursue it. He goes on. And he tells us then the way of forgiveness. Look with me at four to seven. Indeed I have given him who's that? The Messiah? A witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. That's talking about the Gentiles. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. So Gentiles shall run to him, to the Messiah, to Jesus. And look at what it says. Because of the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, For he has glorified you. Then look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. What's that talking about? Turning from our sin. If you're messed up and you're doing the wrong thing, turn from it. Look what it says. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Turn from your evil thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And here's the promise. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardoned. That's forgiveness. What do we need to see here? Turn from finding wholeness your way to finding it in Jesus. Turn from it. Turn from finding it your way. Because, and let's be honest, how are we doing with our way? How's it going? You know what I'm saying? Ain't going too good, is it? Think about what you're ensnared to. Think about the thing that you're struggling with. Think about the thing that defeats you all the time. Think about the, and it's always the thing that we turn to when in the midst of crisis in our life, we try to find satisfaction there. It's not happening. We get frustrated. We get angry. How's it going? I can tell you from my life, it ain't going too good. And if you say it's going well, you're lying. How can you say that, George? How do you know? Because nothing brings satisfaction to the soul except Jesus. Nothing. Oh, you can deceive yourself for the moment. You may be riding on the euphoria of whatever the experience is. But trust me, tomorrow is another day. And feelings kind of fleet away, don't they? You know what I'm saying? Turn from trying to find it your way because it ain't doing good and turn and do it Jesus' way. Do you understand what I'm saying? How about, how about let's try that? Do, do, do you know what I mean? How about let's... Jesus, God's calling us to try that. Find it in Jesus. Why? Because you've got to recognize the limits of our own understanding. You've got to recognize the limits of your understanding. See, here's the thing. You know, from our limited perspective, we look at that temptation, we look at that thing that we're struggling with and that we want to succumb to, and we say, oh yeah, this will do it, this will say, it. if I could only get this, if I could only do that. Man, I am 40, I'm going to be 48 years old in a couple of weeks here, and you know how many times I've heard guys, if I could only have that truck. Yeah, they get that truck until the first ding comes, first repair comes, and then they're like, Oh, if I could only have that truck. Are you ever satisfied with the vehicle you think is going to satisfy you? But here's the thing. God knows far more than us. The Bible describes it this way. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. It talks about the foolishness of God. If God could be foolish... And he's not. His foolishness is greater than all of our wisdom. Isn't that silliness? Because usually when we think of somebody being foolish and silly, we think of them as being simple and not knowing anything, like snap out of it. If God could be like that, it's still greater than all of our wisdom. So don't lean on your own understanding and trying to find satisfaction for your soul's Don't lean on your own understanding and trying to find healing for the whole in your life. Look to Him. That's what He's saying here.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you.